1: This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Good Monday. Hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend and are refreshed and ready to go. Big week. Fun week, actually. Really fun week. We'll lay it out there for you here momentarily. I'm Jeff. That's Tom. Somewhere out there, Director Matthew is around. On Twitter, it's at Show. If you're on War Chant TV... Appreciate you listening. Make sure you get on in this chat, like, and subscribe, all the good stuff there. Thanks for listening on 93.3 FM as well. Real talk, ready Driving about. Maybe you're dropping off a package. Maybe you're on your way to the store or lunch or whatever it might be. Hello. Hey, good to be here. Glad you're here. Hope everybody's all right. It's spring football week. Here we go. Good times as uh, they return to practice on Tuesday. We'll be there. And this weekend is uh, the Seminole Showcase, right? You get the opportunity to uh, have a lot of fun as we get into this thing and find out who's what. I think it's going to be an interesting time. There are a lot of competitions that are ongoing. I know uh, later in the show, in the second hour, Irish Shafell will join us. And his 3-2-1 was uh, a bit of taking stock regarding Florida State's football and entering that final week of spring drills. Uh, They've put in some hard work, and we've been able to observe all of it, and that's a good thing because what it's done is left us all, A, wanting more, almost fast-forwarding through the summertime to get to a fall that we're all eagerly anticipating because of the lofty expectations around a team that has suddenly gone from sub-500 to good to having the kind of depth that makes you wonder just how good can they be. And uh, most of the questions surrounding this team are not of the negative variety. Most of the questions around this team are the degree to good that they are with each segment group, right? That's that's when you know you have depth, when you start getting down into the uh, details, the minutia, the fine details of what a unit is or is not, and not the desperate searching for answers That's a different discussion. That's a different talking point. You think about this spring game coming up this weekend as opposed to last year's and the kinds of questions that we were trying to answer, Tom, and we were trying to answer, is Jordan Travis going to be a good quarterback? (laughs) They just start with that one. We were trying to answer the question, is Jordan Travis going to be a good quarterback? Now we want to know not only just how good Jordan Travis is, but could he win a Heisman? It's a very different conversation, starting with the most important position on the field. We wondered if we had enough on the offensive line. Was the offensive line good, finally? Were they six, seven deep total? Like, did you have seven guys? Did you have eight guys? These are the kinds of questions. Now we're talking about 12, trying to find five. With 12 as options and good ones at that. Now it's the question of, Well, which of those really good guards wins the starting job? Which of those that uh, are competing to win the tackle spot gets the job done? I mean, that's real competition. That's not do we have six linemen? Do we have seven? It's competition that sees you run so deep that you wonder, is there much of a difference between the starting five and the backup five, whomever they may end up being? It's a very different conversation. Interior defensive line. You have enough healthy bodies. Do you have anybody beyond Fabo that you feel really good about coming into the season? Stuff we were asking last year, right? Now it's, man, that rotation of guys is going to allow all of your defensive linemen to play fewer snaps at a higher rate of intensity, bringing out the best of their abilities, and probably creating a different line of scrimmage, which changes really the complexion of whether or not you can create turnovers and leverage and all of the things that change games in your favor defensively. You know, I it, it's, it's a lot of fun to take inventory the week of spring football. A lot of times, you know, we get tired of these. Well, okay, on Tuesday they did this. On Thursday they did that. This is the week where you look back at all of those things that we've compiled and the stories that have been written on Warchant.com and the conversations we've had on the Jeff Cameron show and Wake Up Warchant. Now is the time where you do, you kind of take inventory and say, all right, what are you excited to see? They're really good here. They're really good there. I like in that three-two-one that I referenced from Ira that there are questions about who's going to be your number two at wide receiver. I think that's true. I think that's the one between that and a linebacker, I, I continue to come back to the most. Like When I'm talking out loud about when people say to me, I run into people all the time, you know, listeners of the show, and they'll say, hey, listen, so I heard you talking about this what do you think about wide receiver? You seem a little apprehensive. Well, you know, again, to clarify, not apprehensive. I just want to see a solid number two that I can trust, and in particular somebody that can return punts because that tends to come from the receiver position. And right now, we really don't have that, I don't think. I think we have some guys in the running, but we really don't have that. No, I think with
2: receiver, it reminds me of following your favorite baseball team. It could be Florida State college-wise, or it could be your major league baseball team, and the rotation's a little thin. It's a little thin. You've got frontline pitching. When your ace goes, you feel very good about winning that ball game. When you get down to your five, and let's say he's throwing on Sunday in a given weekend series, we better win Friday and Saturday. Yeah, going to need to win those first two. two. I don't trust Sunday at all. And then there might be a little tweak of an injury to your four. And now your four has got oblique. He had, he had to, you know, get shut down from a side session because there was a little bit of an oblique problem. Mm-hmm. They're going to send it for imaging. Concerns are beginning to grow at that, that point. And then that yes. cold sweat, you feel that cold that sweat as a anxiety that hits you, yes. I think that's where we are at receiver, which is Johnny is there, set it, and forget it. Then you have this guy, Vandravius Jacobs, maybe down in the minors. He's a stud, but is he ready to be called up to the big leagues? We feel pretty good about him. And that high King Williams at high A ball, can't wait to see him promoted to double A. Going to be very good for this organization as he gets promoted up the ranks. But as it stands right now in that Major League rotation, Micah Pittman being hurt, that's our
1: two. Don't like not having our two, and it pushes everybody up into a place that they should not slot. That's a great analogy. It's true. It's like there's nothing wrong when your three is your three, but if he has to be your two, it's a problem. And, you know, these are the things that you get concerned about. Yeah. I think that Kentron
2: can be a two. I think. But I don't know that you can learn that in spring. And so you've got to get to a place where once the games are played, you could probably post fact declare somebody as ready made for the game, for the power five game. Problem is you start with LSU. So you want fewer questions for that first game. And it's a hugely important game. And I fear that no matter who it is in that rotation, you know, Winston Wright is is proven at this level, but it's just again, that'll be his first full contact game of real football that counts in years at the point of the kickoff. So there's just, I don't know that there will be a resolution to the wide receiver issue until we start playing games in September. There could be winners and losers in practice and camps, but there's not going to be a real answer where I think we feel comfortable short of Micah Pittman coming back and being healthy in time for the opener against LSU.
1: Yeah, that's an area of concern. I've got concerns at linebacker. Those are real concerns. I don't, that's not the same as receiver. Right. Receiver is like, oh, who's going to do it? we may not have anybody at linebacker that you feel great about. You got two guys that'll start that you're okay with, but you don't love. And then you're kind of just like, well, what else
2: we got here? Right. They might be twos or threes in that rotation analogy. Mm-hmm. There ain't no ones in that rotation. But it's opening day. All right. So we're going to throw him. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. They're not bad. They're not fives, but they're not bona fide aces that people are talking.
1: Iroh will join us in hour two. I'll pick his brain on this as this, again, is the final week for spring football. We've got practice to attend tomorrow. Ingram Smith, CEO, Battles Inn, going to join us at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk with him about the Battles Inn, the continued growth, what it's like for that collective and their you know efforts to continue to make Florida State competitive from a football standpoint. Uh, it's uh, it's it's exciting to have these conversations because it's kind of the conversation we weren't sure we were going to be able to have was do we have somebody like this that's capable of allowing Florida State to compete at the highest levels for the best players and uh, roster retention and those kinds of things that we were all very concerned about. Uh, many of those questions have been answered with a resounding yes, which is exciting, but I want to talk to him about that. I also want to thank him publicly. Uh, the Battle's End is participating and contributing uh, in our charitable efforts with the golf tournament. Uh, the Jeff Cameron Show War Chant Golf Tournament takes place this Friday. Libations Friday is going to be a good one. It's going to be a really good one. And it benefits the second harvest here in Tallahassee, which we've been really excited to work with, and they were great last year, and uh, we welcomed them back this year to join uh, forces, and we're looking to do even better than we did a year ago, and you guys are all doing your part, and we'll continue to talk about our many sponsors and all the people that have helped us out with this and certainly thank all of you who have signed up. Uh, I do want to mention the way things are going to go, and you'll get this again when I talk to Ingram at the bottom of the hour, but um, it's a busy, busy weekend. And on Saturday, we will be at Hotel Indigo at 1 o'clock, Tom and myself doing a pregame show, kind of looking back on the spring that was and what we expect to see in the spring game. Uh, But uh, the festivities begin earlier than that, even. You can be out and about on Langford uh, at 11 a.m., battles in having their... uh, Group out there with the players, uh, autograph sessions, pictures, and the like. So, if you want to get to to see the players, um, you know, and and to get autographs and to maybe inquire about what what's going on there, you can do that Saturday at eleven a.m. at the Battlesden. Yep, and that ends, at, Green.
2: that ends at noon. The autograph session part of what they're doing. So, if you do want autographs, do not lollygag. You want to get there in the parking lot. No
1: half stepping.
2: Nope. Probably in that ten a.m. hour. Just I'm imagining there's going to be a line. There has not been a fan day in some time. Mm -hmm. COVID has a little bit to do with that. Yeah. So if that's your thing, you like to grab grab the posters or whatever, media guides, whatever it is, programs to get signed, maybe actual photos, you might want to get there in that 10 a.m. hour. It stops promptly at noon so the players can, you know, prepare to play the football game at four o'clock. After you're done with that autograph session, you head on over to Indigo, the doors open upstairs at noon. They're going to have drinks and food for us on the seventh floor, which is great. You walk in, it's to the right from that uh, valet entrance. It's to the right. You'll see the elevators. Seventh floor, beautiful outdoor deck overlooking Doe Campbell Stadium. Drinks, there's going to be food. 1 to 3 p.m. is the live show, but the doors open at noon
1: upstairs. Lots of time to mill about if you're a Florida State fan this weekend and you got friends coming to town. Go down there to Langford, get your autographs if you want to do that, pictures maybe. You can swing on by that whole area. You know, obviously, people will be out and about. College Town. It's a little thing called College Town in between. Yeah, it's yeah. a fairly sizable uh, area. And, um, you know, good times. Like, you can walk over there and all the great food, restaurants, bars. Folks having a good time. And at some point, obviously, do as we asked. Make your way over to that uh, elevator and come on up to that top floor and take in the breathtaking view and get you a cold one and uh, say hello. It'll be a good time. So, Lots of chances to, uh, to mingle with your fellow Knowles and get excited about a football team whose expectations are sky high. And I think, I think, judging by the roster this spring, for a very good reason. There's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of depth there. Uh, it's, it's an exciting time to be a Seminole and to have watched a lot of this climb and document this climb uh, because Florida State, you know, for a long time there, didn't matter. And uh, that was hard. That was hard to stomach. We'd go into these spring games – Hoping, 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 coming out of there, feeling maybe one way, and then the season would you know, embark, and uh, you would realize we're not much. And this year, I don't think that's the case. I think that you're going to walk out of that spring game however it goes, and you're going to be like, man, they've got talent. You can, that's, it's abundantly clear. It was
2: not the climb. It was the sit down and snore on the ground for years. Yeah.
1: yeah it's, uh, there's pep in our voice. There's a reason. Yeah, no, real good reason. John Rahm is your Masters champion. A lot of fun to watch that over the weekend. Florida State's own Brooks Kepka in contention. Uh, you see what he is when he's healthy. We know that uh, he's finally healthy. Uh, John Rahm is a, is a beast, and he proved it yet again. I like it when I've always thought this, even if I don't like the player, and I like John Rahm, but there have been players I don't like, and I still feel this way. If you're elite and you've proven yourself to be elite, you win a lot of tournaments on tour. All right. You know, you have the ability to go low. You've won in big situations, maybe non-majors, like maybe you won sawgrass or something like that, right? Whenever I see a player like that emerge onto the scene, and we've been watching John Ron for some time now, but you always want them to fulfill, I think, golf's better when the elite players kick down the door and get that major out of the way. And then you want them to to back it up with a second major a lot of times because that really begins to separate those who maybe got lucky over four days and ran into one, Sean McKeel, or people like that, and others who, you know, were building towards something. And this is just further a cherry on the top of the greatness we've already bore witness to. So when guys like John Rahm win a second major and they do it in the fashion that he did it, I think it's good for golf. I like it. Historically, it sort of cements their legacy. And now he's the first European to have won the U.S. Open and the Masters. That's pretty amazing. Uh, good for him, and we know all the surrounding numbers. It is, uh, you know, he's, he's the sixth man to win both of the, these titles uh, before the age of 29. Tiger Woods, Jack, Byron Nelson, uh, Goodall, and uh, Spieth. Now, wrong. Yeah, the wait for
2: John to win his first major was getting closer to intermediate. I'd say it, it, he wasn't an overnight. He arrives on the tour, like Colin Morikawa was. Right, he arrives right, on yeah. tour and he just takes names. And the reason for that was because he was too volatile. His emotions were not kept in in control. And it's funny how this stereotype of Spanish players being all over the place, outside of Miguel Angel, the most interesting golfer in the world, <laughs> that stereotype has held for Spanish golfers that have made it to big-time, you know, major moments, whether they won or they didn't. And John could not control and comport himself when things went wrong for the first five years of his professional career, especially in those big-time moments. And now he's just so damned calm. It has shown incredible growth. And the thing about him that's really fun is his game has no apparent flaw. He can win anywhere, any course, any layout, any length, any way you want to play it, he can win it. And now that he's cleared two very different hurdles at the U.S. Open, which is usually about last man standing, and then Augusta, which is usually about the artist coming to life, man. he, yeah. could, he could win six or eight, and he, he could win all right. four, and it could happen sooner than later.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, you, you now you feel like he enters majors without a lot of pressure. I mean, he's established himself as one of the all-time greats now, and You know, listen, it's probably a lot easier to comport yourself with uh, confidence, calm, and even-keeled emotions when you hit 86% of your fairways and 72% of greens and regulations despite two rounds being in pretty inclement weather. Uh, The last two Masters winners to have done that, there's just two. Nicholas did it in 86, and Ben Crenshaw did it in 95. So John Rahm was in rarefied air. He gained three-and-a-half strokes on the field tee to green in the final round. He ranked sixth. That's three-and-a-half. Think about that. Sixth in strokes gained approach for the tournament. Um, Iron play is usually the indicator at the Masters. We know this over the years. Seven of the last nine champions have ranked in the top six in strokes gained approach at Augusta. That number is always huge. You want to pick out a guy who's a master with his irons. Um, You know, this is... uh, he gained 1.21 per round on the field, meaning strokes gained uh, approach uh, this week. Uh, these are incredible numbers. And um, think, about, think about all of those numbers that I just laid out, and he four-putted number one on a Thursday.
2: <laughs> That's how he started, with a four-putt and a double bogey.
1: Now think about all the strokes gained on the green, and, he's held, and he had a four-putt. Yeah. Like that is rarely seen. But he comes
2: back and makes birdie on two. In, in that moment. Well then that and, may have been an indicator. And right? I don't know that twenty three year old or twenty five year old John Robb could have done that. And and I think that's the really cool thing is, is you watch development. And then for Brooks's side of things, uh, he was dominant for the first couple of days. He had the easier side of the draw, but nobody used the easier side of the draw to their advantage as much
1: as, as he Brooks did. did. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I think he would have been okay if there were more holes in somewhat dry weather on Saturday. But there's always unless you're Tiger in ninety seven or two thousand at Pebble there's always going to be a down day where you just kind of have to get it home yeah. in his few Steer amount of Steer it on he, in, baby. Steer it in. Yesterday was, not that, yesterday was that day for Brooks where it was not an A game anywhere. On the greens, he was a three-putt machine compared to not having a three-putt the first couple of days. Couldn't drive the ball because he had a two-way miss. And you got to play 30 holes on that day when you don't have your A game. It's just not going to happen for you. And John was rock. Damn solid.
1: Yeah, you had two a miss. You got a problem, and you know, juxtapose it through thirty six holes. He hit twenty nine of thirty six greens, and that is, I mean, he he gained eight point four strokes on the field with his approach play because of that through those first two rounds, and then he was all over the map. He could not hit the ball where he was aiming. (laughs) That is a problem. Golf. Yeah, that's as simple as it gets. Uh, He hit ten fewer greens. Over the final two rounds and lost nearly two strokes to the field on approach. So he goes from gaining 8.4 to losing two. So that there it is in a nutshell. I mean, you're not in position to make putts. He was all over the, like when he got to the green, he was never in a good spot. Right. He'd have to, I mean, and he did a good job on a few 60 footers to get mm-hmm. it home in two.
2: Yeah. But if you keep doing that, you're going to three putt eventually. And then towards the back nine, made three birdies and four holes, but you're going for everything. You're... 16, you'd never take that line unless you're chasing. He ended up making birdie from it. Yeah. But it's just you're going fifth gear, and you're just trying to make something happen, and that leads to bogeys, especially at a place like Augusta. Well, we had fun with
1: it, though. I mean, the Masters always big, even for the non-golf fans, so we make mention of it here at the top of the show before I bring on Ingram Smith, CEO, battles in here in a minute. But, I, I again, uh, Phil gave us something that nobody could have saw coming based on his form heading into Augusta. He'd been nothing short of terrible since joining Liv. Uh, routinely shooting 75, 77, no indicators of form to speak of. And then he comes in and shoots a final round 65, lowest score in Masters history for a player aged 50 or older. He's the oldest player to finish in the top five at the Masters. Oldest man to finish runner-up at a major since Tom Watson. We remember when Tom Watson was 59 years old and the heartbreaking Open Championship of 09 uh, had a chance. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's also, by the way, oddly, I think, mixed in on all these numbers, the one that blows me away for a guy that's won the Masters three times in Phil Mickelson, he tied his lowest score that he's ever had in Augusta, period. Yep.
2: That's why golf is the best game, man. It's crazy. Your 50-year-old self can beat your 20-year-old self when your 20-year-old self was good. And and the other crazy thing is looking at the strokes gained, mm-hmm. he outdid Tigers' 2019 Masters. He outdid yeah. it. Yeah. Now John Rahm went to another place. Like you talked about, there's only two or three peers in terms of accuracy.
1: Yeah, the on accuracy a Sunday, numbers were
2: insane. Yeah. And he was top four in like four key categories. But this isn't quite Phil losing to Stenson in the two day match in the British, but his performance this year, actually statistically against the field, was better than Tigers major in four years ago. Yeah. 20, 2019.
1: Man, well, every tournament is interesting. You know, you, you, you don't know how somebody's going to either press the gas pedal depending on the situations or back off. I mean, Neither of us would argue against one another here that that 65 is only possible because he began the day with no shot to win and had nothing to lose and let it fly. That typically is a very nice kitchen to cook a meal with. See, Rory a year ago, backdoor is second, and everybody's talking, well, he finished second a year ago. Well, come on. We know what the hell he had. Zero chance of winning going into that Sunday. It freed him up to take all kinds of risks. We see guys do this a lot. There's a second like Phil. At that major, the, mm. the open against
2: Stenson. Yeah. And then there are seconds like Matt Kuchar might have had in his career.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, although oh. Matt, although Kuchar's Cooch, one legit second I felt bad for what? was the British. He played really well. That's correct.
2: In which Jordan Spieth played a golf hole about the same speed as Patrick Cantlay plays every hole. And
1: don't get me started on that. I won't. know. You know where I'm going with that. That's it. I will never. I can't watch Patrick Cantlay hit a golf ball ever again. And,
2: Jesus, man. And, and folks out there that are in the field for the Friday tournament, if you play at Patrick Cantlay speed, camera's coming for you. I'm he, not having it. You got to go. I yep. texted you. Get him off the course. Yep. Get, kick him out. What are we doing? He'll shout you down like I did when somebody hit into that us last week. That was just
1: insane. What were they doing? That's right. My man, you're on pace to shoot a 75 or a 77 out here checking a 10-foot putt Every imaginable angle while two dudes are sitting in the fairway like, trying to win a golf tournament here, my man. Jeez Louise. That was tough. You could hear it. You could hear it in the broadcasters. You could hear Nance and them like, well, he's
0: certainly being
1: thorough. Slow. Slow is the way. Thoroughly penalized. My God. All right, so Ingram Smith going to join us in just a moment as we'll welcome him in from the battles in talk about this weekend's festivities and also pick his brain about where we're at with NIL right now. Chef Camber Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV.
0: The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com.
1: Welcome back, Jeff Cameron Show, ninety three three Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. We like to check in, especially busy weeks, Give us an opportunity to check in and busy for the right reasons. Obviously the spring showcase spring game is coming up on Saturday. We got the JCS slash war Chant invitational golf tournament coming up on this Friday. In fact, partners of ours and uh, the generous, generous folks uh, at the battles end. Uh, I want to make mention of them and on one Ingram Smith with the battles in right now. And, and let's do big pic- picture stuff. But first Ingram, personally, thank you, buddy. Um, I know you don't grovel, you don't need all that, but I'm just telling you here on the JCS publicly that uh I appreciate your help with the Second Harvest and appreciate uh your contributions to our golf tournament. It's great charity, and you guys have been more than kind.
3: Yeah, no, we're happy to help, and it fits uh, very well with uh, myself and our, our the co-founders' ideas to what we want to do. And I know uh Gene Williams has supported Second Harvest for a long time, so we're we're thrilled to be able to participate in it and excited uh with what you guys can do with the golf tournament and I'll talk with Tom uh, later today and I think we can even get you a, a couple couple of uh, <laughs> a couple more players out there yeah. that uh, we won't be able to take advantage of so uh, you know maybe we have a couple more uh, golfers and and we're efforting to bring a couple battles in players out there oh that'll and be NBA fantastic and we
1: appreciate well, so. anything you do and um, yeah that's I, I wanted to thank you right at the outset here and then also let's get this straight so that everybody understands it's a busy day on Saturday. I want to ask you some specific battles in stuff, just about the nature of NIL and where what we've learned up to this point. But let's uh, let's talk about the showcase, the Garnet and Gold Showcase weekend um, that you guys got going on. I want everybody to understand they have opportunities uh, to get pictures and autographs and the likes with players. Right, Ingram, is that over by the stadium at eleven a.m.?
3: Yeah, we're going to have, uh, if not the full roster, vast majority of the roster uh, oh, wow. out there, and and I think every you know large name that you can think of i don't want to promise people but i would expect Jordan, jared verse i would expect jordan travis i would expect opportunity to uh brief engagement and an autograph from uh players that unfortunately between covid and other things uh this community hadn't had a fan fest since 2019 and uh we're a small entity and i'm not sure we realized exactly what we were getting into when we uh decided to put this thing on but we're thrilled uh to be able to do it and thrilled to give uh, access to the fan base to come down and have free autographs. Now, while you're down there, we'd love it if you would uh, join the battles in, uh, but you don't have to do that. You can come down, get autographs, maybe engage with myself or some other people uh, down there. If you want to find out more about the battles end or what we do, but uh, we're really excited. This since day one has been, uh, you know, both a Avenue for myself and some friends of mine uh, to find, you know, a place where Florida state could be competitive in a, new atmosphere of collegiate athletics, but also as a, um, I've got something in my eye here, I apologize, but also as just an enhancement of the fan experience. And we can't think of anything that's more, you know, uh, emblematic of that than doing something like this. So we're really excited. There's a ton of stuff going on on Saturday. Would encourage you to come down and see us. You can go back up to Indigo to see yourself and all your other uh, favorite war chant personas, I believe. Uh, (laughs) Then you can come back down, grab a sandwich or something from us, you know, Everybody's got something going on Saturday. Uh, we'd love to see you. would love for you to have the opportunity for either yourself or our kids to come down and, and get autographs from players that you, know, you just don't have as much access to as maybe you used to. So uh, we're thrilled to be able to do it.
1: opportunities abound for everybody. Look, I mean, this thing, like you said, starts at 11 to get down there and get your autographs kind of flow in between all the activities there, Langford Green. And then obviously it's going all the way till three o'clock. And uh, then you got the Garnet Gold Showcase at four. They got plenty of time to come by hotel and go say hello to me and Tom and everybody else and then come back down there, like you said. So uh, really kind of once again, a, a fan fest, if you will, like you said, we haven't had one in a long time. So I'm looking forward to it uh, i always like to pick your brain while i have you ingram and uh you're really candid with us and i always appreciate that too but you're also learning <laughs> as we all are what this all entails uh this endeavor of the battles in uh, to allow florida state to to be competitive let's not kid ourselves that's exactly what this has been uh, along with some other things um, i like the fact that uh, you guys have really emphasized That it's not just about the money, although that is very, very important. Um, It is also uh, working with players in a different capacity. What have we learned about the marketplace of NIL and where Florida State sits? And what have you learned as CEO of the Battles Inn uh, in this process and the challenges therein?
3: Yeah, I've I've learned, and this is going to sound like a giant sales pitch, and, and to an extent, I'll be honest with you, it is. But to an extent, it's an honest reflection of the landscape. We have a unique opportunity to be successful right here. And right now, Jeff, I don't know how long NIL is going to last. People ask me, my wife even asked me, how long do you think you're going to be doing this? I don't know. It could end tomorrow. Um, NIL is a a wild landscape that changes rapidly, but as it's currently constituted, Florida state can be very competitive and can be very successful in a landscape that candidly, I'm not sure as a fan base, we thought we could have been a year ago or or two years ago. And that's not a, a shot at anybody. It's just a, Landscape that's ever evolving. Uh, we thought there was a window for us to enter into the uh, the scene here and be successful, particularly in football. So, my point here, Jeff, is like I went to a NIL uh, summit two months ago or a month and a half ago. I don't know; time blends together right now for me. And uh, six six collectives invited from across the country, three on one side of the the, uh, the aisle, three on the other, and the other three were all from the SEC. And Jeff, it takes great pride for me to tell you that we went up head to head against those guys, against uh, all of them, at least once in the last transfer portal. And we went undefeated. We got every kid that we wanted to, particularly uh, when battling some of the larger brands in college football. And I don't know how long that will be the case, but uh, for the here and now, we've found a a spot that we can be very successful in. We found a market inefficiency in uh, in retention, which. As soon as you find a market inefficiency in 2022 or 2023, it's gone. So we'll have to adjust accordingly and, and know that uh, we're probably not going to have some of the advantages that we've had in the past. But NIL is a lot of fun. Uh, it brings a level of, uh, of just fairness, for lack of better words, uh, to this equation where players have the opportunity to market themselves and have the opportunity to take advantage of marketing opportunities. They're reflective to the value and the worth uh, that they help, you know, bring this fan base and this community, and uh, it's been an opportunity of a lifetime, but it's, uh, it's exciting, and it's uh, nerve-wracking, and I don't, you know, my, my patterns of sleep are probably not what they should be, but uh, we move on, and uh, it's been a hell of a ride so far, definitely.
1: This is fun. I wonder, when you just said patterns of sleep, probably not what they should be, I couldn't help but think... You think you've got something resolved, you got something figured out, something agreed to, whatever that something might be, and then somebody decides they really need that player at (laughs) at a different school, and and that player has already been worked out. Do you? Is this part of it? Like, are you constantly? And I imagine this is for all NILs. I mean, excuse me, all collectives. uh, Are you constantly having to? Take phone calls from people saying that they've got better offers. I mean, is it like professional, like a free agent? Some of that, certainly.
3: I mean, there was a time. Um, I'll just tell you a story of my engagement party a couple months ago. we were sitting there hanging out, uh, having a good time. And it became abundantly clear to me, Jeff, that I wasn't going to have to immediately leave my engagement party. But I did go over to my fiance at the time and say, don't worry, I'm not leaving early. But when this does end, we can be the last two people to walk out of here. That's fine but I'm going to Tallahassee. You're going back to Brookhaven. I'm going to Tallahassee. <laughs> and that's just the, the reality of the situation and things change uh, rapidly. And uh, you know, it's not, I'm not, I'm not trying to make myself out to be Jerry McGuire or something like that. That's not the case, but when things come, they come quick and they've got to be dealt with immediately most of the time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a running joke that uh, I, I could leave for Tallahassee at any time. And um, sometimes I do. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's wild.
1: There's some confusion. I, I get this a lot. So I'm going to throw it your way and let you deal with it. Because I don't, I don't know that I've got a complete handle on it. I, I think I've got a fair idea. But I'd rather ask you directly. So uh, people know what the Battles End is and what they've done. And they can be a part of it. They can go to the battlesend.com and learn more. They can do all these things. There are different levels and what membership gets you and all that. But I hear a lot of people say, okay, well, that's great. That, that, that's fine. But what if I already joined Rising Spear or I've joined one of these other collectives or why should I join this one over that one? I guess it's a general question. If you want to speak to that, Rising Spear was a name that people knew initially, Ingram. The Battles Inn has come in and really done, uh, you know, yeoman's work here with this roster, obviously, but I am curious what you say to people who ask you, what, what's the difference and how do I tell the difference and, and, and why do I join one or the other?
0: Yeah
3: um yeah good question jeff i will i will <laughs> let's see how i can answer this without getting myself in trouble um i think that our model uh fits football real well and uh and and we do golf as well and we're really excited about that and uh that's a, a unique opportunity for us i think rising spear does uh some really good things they may give a different answer. They may disagree with me. I don't know that their model is particularly uh, perfect for football, but you know that's uh, we can all do our own things, and it doesn't mean that they don't uh, have space uh, in this space, and it doesn't mean that they don't provide great value to the Florida State athletic community. I will give them credit for the uh, Tania deal that they just did with the women's basketball team. Tania, a prospect here from uh, Atlanta from Westlake High School, is one of the best players in the country. Uh, I was thrilled to see. Uh, that they were able to come to an agreement. I think her words: uh, a long-standing commitment or uh, long-term commitment to Florida State University, and that's uh, great work by by Rising Spear. Right now, kind of the agreed-upon focus is uh, golf and football on our end, and uh, they're doing everything else. Uh, that could change in the future. Like I said earlier, this whole landscape can change in in five minutes, and and does. Uh, but for right now, I think Florida State fans should be confident and. Um, Comfortable that they have two collectives uh, that kind of have their own areas of focus and are operating at a high level, and I think are a a very positive reflection of a university that uh, so many people care so much about. So um, hopefully, we'll get some clarity on this in time. And and you know, it's it's hard to find too many examples of of uh, quote unquote dueling collectives at schools that have been successful. But we're not really I wouldn't describe us as competitors uh, right now. I mean, if you want to support football go to Uh If you want to support uh, the great work that Lonnie's doing or or the dynastic run that the women's soccer team has had over the last uh, decade or so, then uh, Rising Spear is, is more than capable of, um, you know, providing a, a unique, uh, you know, collective and, and ability to help those sports be competitive.
1: Well, that's pretty clear-cut, straightforward. Uh, football, battles in. Golf battles in everything else feeling, feeling froggy there, or, or you could do both. You could do both. Hey, there's room for everybody. They're all supporting Florida state, obviously. So that, that's a good answer. Thank you for addressing. And I hope I didn't put you on the spot, but I. No, not um,
3: at all. I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, our, our intentions are aligned, you know, and uh, we, we do things slightly different. We'll figure it out. Uh, but but they do a really good job in the sports that they have a focus on. Absolutely.
1: So so let me ask you this: um, as you know, this is fascinating. Uh, spring is almost over. Spring football is almost over. Hence the reason we're talking of the build up to some of the showcase. But um, do you envision uh, a, 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 an interesting period just after the end of spring here, because there's opportunities for Florida State to dip back into the portal, but there are certainly opportunities for players. Uh, to take it on down the road if other schools are doing the same and trying to pluck people from our roster i imagine yeah, it's about to be a really busy time
3: it's gonna be crazy that's what i think i think it's gonna be absolute bonkers to be honest with you <laughs> uh april 16th till uh either the final day of of april or or may 1st right. uh this is not speaking strictly of uh, from a Florida state perspective i've took i've spoken with uh leaders of collective in the sec the big 10 and uh, the big 12 who told me similar um, and my personal experience has supported support this, there's some crazy, what I would call froth in the system, Jeff, there's, there's numbers out there uh, that aren't real. There's kids that talk about Lehman who then throw out figures that are, are asinine. Um, and we've had some, some in, you know, some inquiries that are just not, not, it's not that they're just not in line with the market, Jeff, they're not in line with any, you know, it with the craziest deal of all time wouldn't make sense compared to some of the things that we've heard out there. So uh, Nil is a landscape that ultimately is regulating itself. Uh, I'll give Shannon Terry credit. He's done a really good job in the team at on three of uh, of bringing kind of an analytical perspective of this. And um, he's absolutely right. Most of the elite kind of top level uh, collectives, I don't love that term, but let's just use it uh, for for uniformity's sake when speaking of this industry. You know, most of those collectives that are uh, operating at the high end spend somewhere between, 11 and 15 percent on um on incoming talent jeff so that's you know like the days of signing high school kids to bizarrely stupid deals i think are over now are there particular positions out there uh that certain universities will will find marketing opportunities uh to to be reflective of absolutely um but I think a lot of the dumb froth of like, hey, we're going to give a high school kid that's not going to play for two years a deal that's going to reset our whole, you know, kind of uh, payroll, so to say, is, is gone. And uh, there's been a, quitty, a pretty quick uh, maturation in this market and in this field, and I think you're only going to continue to see that with a, with a focus placed on uh, retention and, and selective transfer portal activity.
1: Talking to the CEO of Battles End, Ingram Smith. Ingram, when is the next window for clarity regarding NIL?
3: I don't know that question, to be honest with you. I mean, all these different bodies kind of discuss it. You see a a political hearing last week or two weeks ago. Um, it'll It'll be a wild landscape, Jeff. There's conversations of athletes becoming employees of the school. I personally am, I think that'll be down the road if it ever occurs. Uh, There's an interesting conversation about athletes being employees of the conference, which would personally, uh, or would not personally, would potentially be, I don't want to say a workaround to title IX, but wouldn't cause some of the title IX ramifications that just making pure athletes uh, employees to the school directly would be. I don't know. That's the best question I can give you, man. There's a lot of different things in this landscape. Uh, It will continue to develop. Um, I don't know that Congress has an appetite to really, jump in and, and address this head on, but I'm a, you know, I'm a, a podcaster and a CEO of a collective. I'm not somebody that is an expert on the Hill or are reflective of where political will <laughs> sits. So, uh, I, yeah.
1: Oh man. I love it. Ingram does the null cast. For those of you that don't know and, uh, Ingram, I appreciate you. Let's recap and let everybody know I, you and I are going to do an hour someday, uh, and just go over all these questions I have. If you'll indulge me at some point when you yeah absolutely and, tires, and so. I'll
3: just start asking you music questions and yeah, all the good. listeners will get pissed off because they don't care about my music opinion hey, but I do but, and I'll yeah. answer
1: all the music questions if you answer <laughs> all my NIL questions and it'll be splendid um all right so uh 11 11 a.m autograph session all that good stuff let's go through what you want to get out there so that everybody knows uh all the fun we're going to have on Friday and Saturday
3: yeah absolutely it is a uh it's a great opportunity a window of time that we don't have as a fan base to see each other uh in a in a broad perspective for you know four or five months um and we're really excited about the autograph session the autograph session will last i think officially from 11 to 12 30 but you really want to 11 to 12 of the hours that you want to focus on there we're on langford green again we have no idea what the response is going to be to this i su- i suspect it's going to be pretty significant based off the fact that one the roster's pretty damn good two, the yeah. fan base is really excited and three we haven't had a chance to do anything like this in four years so uh, come out to the Langford Green. We'll have a significant series of tents set up uh, to have a little bit of a fan fest. And then uh, as the day goes on, we'll just transfer more to kind of a traditional tailgate. We've got a band coming to play. Um, we're happy to talk to you about Florida State football. We're happy to talk to you about joining the Battles End. Um, and if there's any more information that you guys want, uh, go to battlesend.com or feel free to uh, find me on whatever your preferred uh, medium of social, uh, social media is.
1: Ingram, always appreciate it, brother. I'll see you really soon. In fact, I'll see you this uh, Friday and Saturday. So looking forward to it, and uh, thanks for the time. Be good, sir.
3: Great talking to you, Jeff. Thank you, bud.
1: Take care. That's Ingram Smith, CEO of The Battles Inn. Again, 11 a.m. for their autograph session. We'll be doing a pregame show at Hotel Indigo up on the roof, as we did all of last football season. Really excited to partner with them again as well. We go on at 1 o'clock, so if you want to go down there, get your autographs, sign up for The Battles Inn. Uh, join that effort as they continue to allow Florida State to be competitive, uh, and more than competitive, hold their own obviously in the world of college football. Then come on over and say hello to us and uh, partake in some food and drink. Then wander back over there. It's a good time for all for the, the entirety of uh, of Saturday. And then, of course, I again want to publicly state we really appreciate the battles and support and their efforts. Um, they helped us out. Uh, on the uh, golf tournament that is taking place this Friday at Capital City Country Club. Look forward to that. Let's come back and react to that in just a moment. Jeff Cameron Show 93 3, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV.
0: Welcome back to the Jeff Cameron Show, sponsored by Legendary Home Loans, a mortgage experience designed around speed, simplicity, and customer service. Before you buy your next home, contact our friend Shannon Young with Legendary Home Loans. Visit FSUhomeLoans.com. FSUhomeLoans.com.
1: Yeah, here you go. You get a minute. We should have probably just added an extra commercial and gone through the hour there. But uh, my thanks to Ingram Smith, CEO, the battle's end. And uh, got some clarification where we're at. You know, there's a lot in the NIL world that um, is new. And we just spend a lot of time trying to figure this all out. But I think that adds some clarity. And um, I also think it's fascinating now that Florida State's going to be on the other side of this, meaning... We've done a real good job of roster retention. We've done a very good job of poaching other players, in particular from South Carolina. (laughs) And now I think a lot of teams are going to come do some searching and uh, shopping at the Florida State football window. Briefly,
2: because I know we don't have much time, but that's the thing that is reassuring in the message, which is we know we're not going to have the same advantages this year that we had last, so we've got to pivot and move. Thank you, because it does change every year. It is rapidly changing. If you think you found a solution and you're stuck in your ways, you're going to get left behind. So glad to hear that is in the thought process.
1: Yeah, so I, um, that's the other thing I'm eager to see. We're talking about this game this Saturday, but also I want to see when this thing concludes, who are the first names that enter the portal? Because i got to imagine there's at least three, four, maybe five. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with Jeff Cameron show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchant TV.